Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Shark's Fin and Sichuan Pepper for you. As a nation with 5,000 years of history, China is steeped in vibrant cultures and lasting traditions, and the culinary tradition is an indispensable part of this. To the people, food is heaven is a well-known saying in China. And from ancient times till the present day, Chinese people have never ceased being passionate about eating. What's more, China has a vast territory and enjoys abundant resources. The variety in climates, crops and traditions in China carved out four great regional cuisines, Sichuanese, Shandongnese, Haiyang or Weiyang, and Cantonese cuisines. In the Qing dynasty, the great regional cuisines were further divided into eight, Anhui, Guangdong, Fujian, Hunan, Jiangsu, Shandong, Sichuan, and Zhejiang cuisines. No matter how many realms, the classic four or the expanded eight, these regional cuisines of China have attracted more and more people from different countries, regions, and ethnicities. Why is this, and what is China and its food culture? The book Shark's Fin and Sichuan Pepper by the British gourmet Fuchsia Dunlop will uncover the secrets for you. Shark's Fin and Sichuan Pepper is a memoir of eating, written by the British gourmet and author Fuchsia Dunlop. It records her adventures in eating throughout China since 1992. In it, Dunlop not only introduces the fantastic flavors of regional foods of China, but also marks out the differences between the East and the West in terms of food culture. It swiftly became a bestseller after its publication and was acclaimed by many top book reviewers. The New York Times described it as an insightful, entertaining, and scrupulously reported exploration, a swashbuckling memoir studded with recipes, and a distinguished contribution to the literature of gastronomy. The Press Association of UK praised its significance of cultural exchange through food, saying that it's not simply a record of sights, sounds, and tastes, but a sympathetic and passionate attempt to explain another people's way of seeing the world. Fuchsia Dunlop grew up in Oxford, England. She received her BA in English Literature at the University of Cambridge and a Master's Degree in Area Studies from the School of Oriental and African Studies in the UK. In 1994, Dunlop won a British Council scholarship to study in Sichuan Province of China, opening the gate of her exploration of the food cultures in China. Apart from this book, she is also the author of the acclaimed The Food of Sichuan and Land of Fish and Rice, Recipes from the Culinary Heart of China to mention a few. She has won several James Beard Foundation Awards, also known as the Oscars of Food. Her work has appeared on influential magazines and newspapers, such as Financial Times, New Yorker, The Gourmet, and Sichuan Cuisine. Eating is Dunlop's specialty and something she's in love with. During her stay in China, she explored restaurant kitchens and a cooking school to study Chinese cuisine. She was deeply impressed by the different regional cuisines in China, such as the passionate and spicy Sichuanese culinary, the obtrusive and fiery Hunanese cuisine, the grand and splendid royal cuisine, the deliciously fresh Cantonese cuisine, and the refined and subtle cuisine of Haiyang. Her passion for Chinese food has carried her footprints all over China. 
She has made every effort to immerse herself in Chinese culture and embrace the lifestyle of Chinese people. She has said that every time upon her arrival at the airport, hearing the Sichuanese dialect and smelling the chilies and peppers, she feels the joy of returning home. No wonder many Chinese netizens have teased her saying that she deserves a Chengdu Haku, which is a permanent resident status of the city. In today's bookie, we are going to share with you how Dunlop became fascinated by Chinese food and identified herself with Chinese culture. We will go through the following three parts. Part 1. How did Dunlop come to understand and sympathize with Chinese culture through food? Part 2. The Three Pillars of Chinese Cuisine Part 3. Different Food Cultures in Various Regions Brought up in Oxford, England, Dunlop had dreamed of becoming a chef since she was 11 years old. Her mum taught international students English at the University of Oxford. Coming from different countries, these students often visited and cooked at the Dunlop's home. Dunlop thus had started experiencing exotic flavors and fantastic foods from other countries from a very young age. Though Dunlop began her food adventure at an early age, she was still shocked by the preserved duck eggs she saw when visiting China for the first time. The thousand-year-old eggs as they are called in the West had a taste and texture that made some people's flesh crawl. She described it being like the eyeballs of some nightmarish monster, dark and threatening, and that its noxious aroma made her feel nauseous and it's hard to swallow. Many Westerners retain some kind of fear of the unknown toward Chinese cuisine, and such concerns have existed since a long time ago. According to the early records of the first European merchants and missionaries, Westerners early on appeared reluctant to accept the Chinese diet. At a point in the late 13th century, Marco Polo had already been traveling around China for 17 years, yet he still claimed that Chinese people liked eating snakes and dogs, and in some places human flesh. The French Jesuit historian Jean-Baptiste Duhalda also described the exotic Chinese diet in a tone of wonder in 1736. He said Chinese people eat stag's pizzle, bear's paws, as well as animals such as cats and rats. But in the 21st century, Chinese food has become a natural part of the varied Western diet. 65% of British households now own a wok. However, some British media still denounces Chinese food in public. Some like to perpetuate the stereotype that Chinese people eat everything, including snakes, monkeys, bears' paws, birds' nests, sharks' fin, ducks' tongues and chicken feet, and so on. They say that you could never be sure what the oozing dayglow foodstuff balance between your chopsticks is. The sentiment lurking beneath these lines echo exactly the fears of the early European travelers in China. The British press prefers to publish, and the public also likes to read, the kind of stories about Chinese restaurants serving dog hot pot or penis stew. Westerners remain fixated, obsessed even with the weird fringes of Chinese gastronomy. From Dunlop's point of view, those stories about the cruelty of Chinese eating are suspicious. All over the world, people have heard of the notorious Chinese delicacy, live monkey brains. The monkey so they say is strapped to the table with its head immobilized. Then the waiter slices the top of its skull off, and the diners eat its brains with a spoon, just like pudding. But has anyone actually seen this practice? 
These most infamous examples of Chinese culinary cruelty are no more than urban myths. A journalist Mark Schreiber discovered through his exhaustive investigations that the legend might be traced to a tongue-in-cheek newspaper column on Chinese eating habits written in 1948. Up to this day, the Chinese way of slaughtering of their daily livestock is still unacceptable to Westerners. But Dunlop considers the Chinese attitude to animals to at least be honest. In Britain, the stench of death hung in the background of a carnivorous meal like a guilty secret. People buy their meat both processed and sanitized from supermarkets. However, they avoid the fact that the animals have languished in pens before they were butchered and their short lives were ended. Whereas in China, people choose to eat with their eyes open. However, facing these disparaging stereotypes, Chinese communities have on the whole been strangely silent. Perhaps it's because they see eating everything as unremarkable. Most people eat things like dog meat and donkey penis very rarely if at all. Chinese don't generally divide the animal world into the separate realms of pets and edible creatures, unless following some religious eating taboo. However shark's fin as mentioned in the book title is explained by the author in detail. It was during the Ming Dynasty that shark's fin became one of the indispensable luxuries of the court due to its scarcity. As the editor of a food magazine once told Dunlop, people want to eat delicacies like shark's fin just because they are rare and expensive, and because they are the kind of thing emperors used to eat. Maybe it's still unacceptable for you. However, one should also be aware that hundreds of years ago, all countries including China did not think we should not eat rare animals. As an English woman, Dunlop holds complex emotions about this. She believes that Westerners have never reflected on their eating habits when condemning some Chinese from a moral high ground for eating shark's fin. When Westerners munch on all kinds of wild sea fish, they never consider it inappropriate or thought about if they should give up caviar, cod, or bluefin tuna. The Chinese do seem to eat everything. However, in a sense, they are just magnifying the greed of the entire human race. Don't forget that China has been held back for a considerable amount of time, and now they are just chasing the footsteps of the rest of the greedy world. Therefore, Dunlop proposes that through reflecting on shark's fin, we should abandon the attitude of taking the moral high ground and judging others for eating rare animals. This is because it's a question that all of us should ask ourselves, regardless of what country we are from. Furthermore, the Chinese government has already enacted laws to combat and sanction the illegal trade of endangered species. That being said what is the real Chinese cuisine? Apart from the initially unattractive preserved duck eggs, Dunlop tried many other Chinese foods during her first trip to China, which was a real revelation. A cold chicken tossed in a vibrant dressing of soy sauce, sugar, chili oil, and Sichuan pepper. A whole carp braised in a chili bean paste mixed with ginger, garlic, and spring onions. Pig's kidneys, stir-fried, fast, with celery and pickled chilies. According to Dunlop, the so-called fish-fragrant eggplant was one of the most delicious dishes she'd ever tasted. It actually does not use fish at all. Golden fried eggplant is cooked in a deep red spicy sauce with hints of sweet and sour that mimics the flavor of fish. It was something she had never known before. In 1994, 
a colleague suggested that Dunlop apply for a British Council scholarship to study at Sichuan University, which was accepted. As soon as she arrived in Chengdu, the city famous for its comfy and relaxed lifestyle, she became immediately immersed and let herself go. She fully embraced the sweet and soothing charm of the Sichuan lifestyle and embarked upon the most beautiful period in her life. With a natural curiosity about food, Dunlop felt as if she was in heaven being awakened by the scent of Sichuan pepper every morning. In Chengdu, the Chinese food offered by the humblest-looking restaurant would be better than what anyone could find in London. Once when she had a hot pot with her Chinese friends, she was amazed by the pot filled to the brim with an incredibly large mass of dried red chilies. Every morsel she took from the pot was bathed in a slick of hot oil, studded with spices. By the end of the meal, Dunlop was almost delirious with heat. Her mouth burned and tingled, sweat ran through her skin with pores wide opened. She felt ragged and molten, pain and pleasure were indistinguishable as her tongue numbed. In the days of her student life in China, Dunlop drifted down those back streets in Chengdu looking for all kinds of food. Almost every day, she would go to Xie Lao Bans for Dan Dan noodles, a small bowl of noodles topped with a spoonful of dark, crisp minced beef. Before eating, one was supposed to stir them with chopsticks. Then the flavors and the seasonings at the base of the bowl would be awakened. Each strand of noodle was then coated in a mix of soy sauce, chili oil, sesame paste, and Sichuan pepper. The effect was electrifying. In Dunlop's words, within seconds, your mouth was on fire, your lips quivering under the onslaught of the pepper, and your whole body radiant with heat and even breaking out into a sweat. Dunlop also recounts her experience of eating fried rabbit head for the first time. In Chengdu, many rabbit heads sit neatly in glass cabinets, staring out with beady rabbit eyes and pointy teeth, earless and skinless. It was utterly revolting for her to think about eating them. However, sometimes, one can easily overcome food taboos through simple drunkenness. One day Dunlop ate her first rabbit head, and the silky richness of the texture changed her into a regular rabbit head eater from that day on. Naturally, China has a sophisticated system of cookery with a variety of regional cuisines. Dunlop's exploration of Chinese food was also a process of gradual acceptance, dotted with amusing moments. One day she was treated to a hot pot by one of her friends. He ordered a whole dish full of expensive pig's brains, just for her. At first, Dunlop tried to flip them onto the waste plate, but every time she lost some brains in her bowl, her friend would give her some more. In the end, Dunlop just had to eat them with a sense of grim resignation. To her surprise, the soft yet dense texture and rich layers of flavor turned out to be a dangerous temptation to Dunlop. Other hot pot ingredients like goose intestines, shivering sheets of ox tripe, throat cartilage, and rabbit's ears were similarly challenging for Dunlop to accept. Their rubbery texture was not easy to enjoy. It seemed like it took her forever to chew them well. But anyone who wants to become a gourmet of Chinese cuisine has to accept the various textures of Chinese food. All kinds of Chinese delicacies, whether banquet servings or folk offerings are basically about texture, kogan or mouthfeel. As Dunlop aptly points out, texture is the last frontier Westerners have to conquer when learning to appreciate Chinese food. 
Cross it, and you're inside. It will open up an entirely new dimension of gastronomy. After a string of struggles and attempts, Dunlop finally broke through her eating taboos and could enjoy fully the wonder of various ingredients. The crispness of sea cucumber braised with Chinese leeks with its squelchy rubberiness, and the soft and muscular abalone used to be bewildering courses in a Chinese dinner that would not interest Dunlop. But now, they were not just temptations to her taste buds, but also a newly discovered spiritual realm. The excitement for Dunlop was no less than that of the discovery of the new world by Columbus. Usually, people are reluctant to take on the food of another country. When you do it, you inevitably loosen your cultural moorings, and your fundamental sense of identity sways. Speaking of this, Dunlop mentioned a caterpillar she encountered at her parents' home in Oxford. It was lunchtime, and the caterpillar was found lying on her plate of steaming vegetables. She pondered why she would think nothing of eating this at an insect restaurant in China, but was so hesitant to try it here. However, the result was that she ate it. She admitted that deep inside of her, she was no longer 100% Britain. She was not even sure about where the border between the two cultures was. Her identity had changed substantially as much as her eating habit. Ever since then, Dunlop tossed away all kinds of taboos, including those concerning foods. All right. That's all for the first part of this bookie. Since the author came to China, she changed her ideas about Chinese food through exploring and experiencing the foods herself. She not only tossed away her Western food bias but also fell in love with Chinese cuisine, and eventually wholly embraced Chinese food culture. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.